Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host. You may think you're a good cook. I think I'm a good cook. But today I'm talking with a woman who can explain what it really takes to make a product that our entire nation craves. Our guest today is Ann Byler. You probably know her as Auntie Ann because of her amazing soft pretzels. Welcome, Ann. Thank you, Jill. It's great to be on your show today. <laughs> All right. Well, I have enjoyed, actually, I've struggled getting to know you through your books, but most people are going to need a good intro to your beginnings. Would you do us a favor and tell us where you grew up and some of the things that surrounded you as an early childhood person? Yes. Thank you, Jill. So I grew up in the Amish culture in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, on a farm with uh, eight kids and one mom and one dad. Our life was very simplistic. It was safe. Mom and dad were always around. They were either out in the field or in the house or in the barns. I had the great blessing and privilege of being with, uh, in capital letters, with my parents all of my growing up years. In that um, time in my life, it really established the foundation for my entire life. And I grew up going to church every Sunday and there were no exceptions to the rule. <laughs> uh, I grew up having dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, all 10 of us sitting around the table until the year I got married. So all of the disciplines and the order and the predictability of my life which I would never have known at that time, but obviously looking back, it's clear to me that God put me in a place, in a family. He set me in this family to grow me into the woman that I have become today. And I feel like the greatest things that my mom and dad gave me were faith and family. Wow, it brings tears to my eyes right now as I think about. Hmm. It wasn't so much in words, Jill. It was indeed. It's what they did. It's not what they said. Dr. Richard Dobbins from Emerge said that role modeling is the best form of teaching. Yeah. I get that because my mom and dad role modeled family and faith. Was it perfect? <laughs> no. Was it good? Yes. Dr. Dobbins yeah. is an amazing yeah. person. So you mm. got to know him somehow through all this. We're going to talk about that down the road, but I love that yeah. you're quoting him. And I think many people in our community recognize that name as someone very mm. special. He was a good man. And Dr. Richard Dobbins is the man that helped me with my theology. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to see him after life's experiences that had broken me down to skin and bones broken in spirit, in body, and soul. I really had believed that if I was a good girl, that God would be pleased with me. And so the line that I use a lot when I speak is, life is hard, God is good. That's what I know today. But growing up as a kid, I really believed that life is good and God is harsh. Mm. And I was totally confused. I believed that if I was a good girl, God would bless me and I would always be obedient, and I was ready to win the world to Christ. <laughs> wow. 
I was in for a big surprise. And so when I walked into Dr. Richard Dobbins' office, he helped me untangle my theology and helped me understand that life is hard. God is always good. And I'm not confused about that anymore. I love that man so much. I appreciate what he did for me. That's one of the mm. things that we need is someone who understands where we're coming oh. from and what we're going through and what we're trying to deal with in the aftermath of that. So I'm very sure. grateful that you're mentioning that. I would love to say that anyone who has some struggles that are really holding you back in your life, it is well yeah. worth talking to someone who, especially a Christian counseling organization yeah. like Emerge, yeah. to find someone who's there to hear it and help you sort it out and bring you to God to recognize yeah. what he's doing right now in your life to restore yeah. It's critical to be able to open up and talk to someone, and maybe we'll talk more about that in the, in the program here. Yeah. One of the things I believe, surrounded also by Amish community, many of them who we adore, we've had some great relationships mm -hmm. with them, but there is a sense that a woman is to be quiet. And basically, mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. decisions that are going to be made are going to be made by the males. And so when you think about that, you recognize that from the very beginning, you were being trained to just be obedient, do what you're told, respect the man, mm -hmm. and that comes into play. Tell us about the tragedy that took place. You got married at 19, and you started a family. And tell us about your husband, too. Yes, yes. So as I said, really the foundation that was laid for me uh, I want to say it was a strong foundation, and it really helped me weather the storms of life that I encountered later in life. And so I was a very young bride at 19, which is very common with Amish and Amish Mennonite people. My only dream in life, Jill, was I just wanted to be a family like, like my family was, and I wanted mm -hmm. to have lots of kids. And so I always prayed that God would bring somebody into my life, a good man, and Jonas Byler came into my life at the age of 16. We started dating <laughs> and then married at the age of 19. And let me tell you, Jill, a good spouse is really one of the greatest gifts that God has given us to walk through life. So I feel extremely blessed and all that, I'm, that we have been through as a couple. I can't tell you if Jonas Byler was any other kind of man, I would not be sitting here talking to you today. I always start my speeches wherever I go. I'm here today because of the power of grace and one good man in my life. Mm -hmm. So as we began our journey into marriage, we had kids three and a half years after we were married and we were living the dream. It wasn't necessarily the American dream, I guess not, but it was the dream of a, of a young Amish man and a couple that just simply wanted to serve God, serve the community, and have our very own family. And so we were doing that, and we had two girls after five years of marriage, and I couldn't have been any happier. I truly felt like the luckiest girl in the whole wide world. I just felt like Jonas Pilot was, uh, he didn't hang the moon, but I, I knew that he was a good man, and he was a very quiet man. So we were in this really great uh, marriage, and we were in the middle of uh, building a church that uh, we went from the Amish Mennonite Church to building actually a charismatic church on my dad's farm. He gave us 10 acres and we built his church. And so we were in the middle of just a very vibrant church and we were in youth ministry with a couple of hundred young people. And mm. I, I mean, I just thought life would never get better. And I thought I knew 
so much about God and his word. And, but you know what I didn't know anything about was pain. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about emotional pain, spiritual confusion, abuse. I knew nothing. I was oblivious to that world. And um, September the 8th, 1975, many years ago, Jill, it was a day that I will never forget. It's always like it was yesterday. On a Monday morning, our youngest daughter, Angela Joy, was 19 months old, and she was walking to my mom's house. We lived in a little double white trailer, and my mom and dad lived in a little farm house. And between us, there was a barn, and my sister was on a bobcat hauling sand for my dad, loading and unloading sand. And that particular morning was an unusual morning. Maybe I had guests for the night, and Angie always made a little trek up to mom for her second breakfast, and I would always call mom and tell her she's on her way. And so looking back, I can see, I think, you yeah, okay, maybe I should have, would have, could have, you know, but this is our story. And um, I watched my sweet little Angie walk out the front door of our house, and I got to the phone to call my mom and tell her Angie was on her way. By the way, we've lived on a farm, and there was uh, it was safe for her to walk there. Very often, her sister, who was four, would walk with her. But that particular morning, there was nobody walking to Grandma's house but Angie, and I watched her go and wanted to call her back to change her diaper and put her clothes on for the day. But I decided, oh, I, I need to clean my house, my kitchen, and, and then I'll do that. And so I watched her go, never said goodbye to her, and uh, went to the phone, and my mom uh, was going to call my mom. And as I lifted up the receiver, I heard all these screams and uh, piercing screams like I had never heard before and my heart stopped and right away I knew my first words at that moment were oh no God not Angie (sighs) that was the beginning my sister uh, didn't see her that morning and she uh, backed up her the bobcat and then went to move it forward she saw Angie's uh, lifeless body uh, in front of her (sighs) our whole family was traumatized of course growing up in the family that I, I did Sure, there's been deaths like grandparents or, you know, maybe aunts or uncles, but nothing like this, not a child or anything. And so that experience took me into a completely broken place. The day Angie made her ascent into heaven, I began my descent into a place of spiritual confusion emotional pain, and eventually uh, it's just a loss of the physical pain as well. Oh, wow. Um, I just lost I cannot, cannot tell you how sorry I am for that to have happened to you. I know there's redemption in the story, and we're going to get yes. to that right yes. after this quick break. Thank you, Anne, yes. for what you've shared. We'll be right back here at Choose Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today here on Choose Life Radio. We are here because of people just like you, friends who partner with us through prayer and their financial gifts. This summer, we'd like to invite you to become a Choose Life Radio ally. For a gift of any amount to Choose Life Radio, we'd like to send you, as our way of saying thank you, the Jeremiah Study Bible. This 2,200-page hardcovered edition has over 8,000 individual study notes from Dr. David Jeremiah, over 50 full-length articles, and a wealth of resources to help you study the Bible in a deeper way. We'll also include a copy of the Bible Promise Book. This handy little volume is a reference that is full of biblical wisdom on many practical matters. I'm sure you'll find this little reference very helpful. 
This package is a $55 retail value. It's yours, while supplies last, for a gift of any amount to Choose Life Radio. And we'll cover the postage. Visit ChooseLifeRadio.com. Find out more and connect with us. And while you're there, make sure to let us know the call letters of the station you're listening to. Reach out and connect today. Become a Choose Life Radio ally and join our team. Visit ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and I want to be sure you know that you can hear this interview and many others at our website at chooseliferadio.com. It's an easy spot to pick up the podcasts. You're going to want to share this with someone, so that's a place that you can go. Also, I want to tell you about AntiAnnBeiler.com, the website that Ann Beiler has, and that's Anti A U N T I E. Anne, A-N-N-E-B-E-I-L-E-R dot com. So both of those are going to be handy for you, and you're going to want them because you're going to hear the rest of this story, and you're going to want to come back to this. So Anne, you've shared just a tragedy, and losing a young one like that, there's so much potential, there's so much ahead. And it's not only hard for you, it's hard for your husband, it's hard for your parents who are there. And then it's very hard for your daughter who is four at that time and is watching yeah, that. So, yes. so you needed help, I would imagine. I imagine you were in a lot of pain. I was in the kind of pain that I did not know existed. And I, I think one of the things that really got me put me into a really dark place was the fact that I, I began to feel alone and isolated. I didn't like how I felt. I mean, before her death, I was, <laughs> nothing could stop me. I, I was uh, always in the big middle of everything, always doing things and always had plenty to say, believe it or not, always had answers for people and, uh, you know, would always point them to the scriptures or the Bible and tell them how to handle their problems. And suddenly, I had no words, Jill. I, I had nothing to say. I began to feel bad for feeling bad. I mean, after all, as a Christian, am I not supposed to be victorious and always be shouting hallelujah and always be happy and cheerful and full of joy? So this experience just took me into such a dark place, uh, not immediately, but over a few months. And um Satan began to whisper in my ear. I mean, when I say that, I, I truly, I, that's what happened. And I didn't realize it was his voice, though, see. And because in our pain, very often we can't discern well. And uh, I was in such pain that Jonas and I began to drift apart. And up until that point, we were happily married and communicated well. And But over time, the Great Wall of China was firmly placed between us emotionally. And there was no more connection. And so my isolation was real. And I couldn't talk about how I felt because I was ashamed of feeling so bad and guilty. Oh. Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm going to church every Sunday. I mean, I kept living life the way I lived it before. Trying to be the same. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Pretending over time. It became a pretentious life because, you know, my mom had a saying that I loved his quote, and she had no ill intention at all. But it was a good quote to quote to, for eight kids every day. <laughs> you know, little children love each other. Do not give each other pain. When one speaks to you in anger, do not answer them again. Over time, I realized years later, I could not verbalize anything that made me feel bad. Wow. And I could not verbalize the fact that anger, I, uh, mm -mm, I'm, 
you know, you cannot tell anyone you're angry. Oh, I can say I feel bad or I'm sad or uh, a few lines like that that we can use or words to express how we feel, but certainly not be able to talk about how you feel. We never did that. You talk about that so beautifully in your book, Twist of Faith. Mm -hmm. That is a book that if you're listening today, you want to write that title down, Twist of Faith. That's one of her books that really talks about this incident. Another one I I just want to point out while I have a second with you here is The Secret Lies Within. That book will... You will read every page as a turner, and you will not put it down until it's done. And Mm. my husband can verify that. I absolutely Mm. said, go find something to do. I am reading this book. I cannot put it down. And not because it's exciting and and wonderful. It's because it's very hard. It's very hard. But we all know that that's around the corner. We have no guarantee that this could happen to us. Well, someone came to you to be a comforter. Tell us Mm -hmm. about that, because I think this Mm -hmm. is predominantly an issue that we are always trying to be on the lookout for. Yeah, yeah. So I think that very Obama in itself silences you and in a way takes your voice away. Because I never knew how to talk about my feelings during that time, I truly did not know. I didn't have the vocabulary to talk about my grief. Are you kidding me? I don't, I have no way of, describing uh, the deep creep that I was feeling. So after five months, and my husband and I were completely silent. We lived together, stayed together, and but there was no communication between us at all. I mean, we would talk about the weather and the kids and, and even had a baby a year later. And so living a kind of semi-normal life, no one knew anything that was going on in my heart. I was a church person. I went every Sunday, did, did all the right things. I prayed, I read my Bible, I I got to the point of such despair. One Sunday at church, as I was praying at the altar, my pastor came to me because I was specifically asking God, please bring somebody into my life that I can talk to. So my pastor made contact with me at that point. And the next, on a Monday morning, I went to his office to to unload. And much to my surprise, uh, because he cared, I was able to actually verbalize how I felt. And which was uh, amazing to me. And at the end of that session, before I left, he took advantage of me physically. I was uh, completely shocked. I was completely unaware of what he just did to me. Hmm. Uh, But I knew, Jill, it was wrong. But also, I went to him for comfort, and I got comfort. Mm -hmm. I was comforted. I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand. I was confused. But one thing I decided after leaving the office was I will never tell anyone what he did to me. Uh And that Uh one decision that I made, Jill, took me into almost over six years of abuse of every kind Uh by my pastor at that time. And during that whole time, I truly believed I was having an affair. After six years of that, I was down to 92 pounds. This is what I knew for sure. I was unlovable. I was unchangeable. And I was unforgivable. I had crossed a line (sighs) that I knew I would never be able to go back to the person I'd been before and to the person that I wanted to become. There was no hope. There were two times during those six years that I really, I wanted to take my life and 
planned it, semi-planned it, obviously. It, it, when you talk about taking your own life, it's, it's a hopeless, dark, no tomorrow feeling. Uh-huh. But we stay in this relationship, which I now truly understand was an abusive relationship in mm-hmm. every single way. Absolutely. We stay there too long because we're threatened. He would always tell me that I'm going to haunt you for the rest of your life. And after about four and a half years of that, and maybe five years, actually, I realized that he was also seeing two of my sisters. I have two sisters and five brothers, and we were all in the church, and he was seeing two of my sisters, myself, and a very good friend of mine. And many, many years later, at the age of 25, my oldest daughter came and told us that she had also been abused by him from the time she was two to three, maybe two, she was eight or nine, or very, uh, just as a small child. Uh, that is, those, that's those just the, impossible, isn't it? I mean, it's just impossible it, to think, but in a community where you're already told y- you really don't have that yeah, value, yeah, you don't have yeah. the ability to talk, and, and you're in pain. You're, all, all of those people were in pain that he took advantage it, it, of. As I talk about it, Jill, my heart goes out to, to women who today, right now, as we're talking, this abuse is is is, is rampant. Mm-hmm. It's a pandemic, I feel like. Yeah. In our world, abuse of sexual abuse of all kinds. My heart breaks for women. And I just have to say, you know, there's a verse that I read in Isaiah just this morning, and it says that God has given me the tongue of the learned that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. And Jill, I learned through my experience, which I would never have known how to do this, but I have learned through my experience to give a word of hope, a word of encouragement, a word of life to people, men and women, boys and girls, who are in this place of darkness where their voice has absolutely been taken from them and they don't even know it. I didn't know that my voice was stolen. And until I went to see Dr. Richard Dobbins at Emerge Ministry, how he helped me to understand my life and changed the way I thought about me, about God, my theology. But it all began to happen. It all began to turn around for me, Jill, after six years of silence, never talking to anyone about this except my perpetrator. You become dependent on them. They are your lifeline. Tell me how you, you you talked with your husband after that. Yes. So one day, after all those years, I prayed every day. I cried every day. I, I wept my way through six years of abuse. I discovered three things, Joe. One was bedside prayers, uh, three forms of confession. Bedside prayers, which we all do. We know Jesus is safe. God is good. We know he hears us. And the second form was journaling, like David did the Psalms. He journaled 150 Psalms. He wept. He cried. He talked. He was real. And he wrote it down. And the third form is found in James 5.16. It says, if we confess our faults one to another, then we'll be healed. And as I was praying one day, God just really was clear with me, get up off your knees and go tell Jonas what's Mm. going on in your life. Wow. Wow. I wanted to stay on my knees. I wanted to journal. I had very little courage, obviously, in those days, but something rose up inside of me, and I got in my little blue pickup truck. And I drove to where he was working at a body shop. I just confessed to him, told him that, you know, the rumors were beginning to fly at the church that the pastor was 
seeing women and, and stealing money. So I knew that Jonas knew about that, and I believe that, no, I was one of the women. So I went to tell him, and I knew, I had believed the lie, Jill, that if Jonas ever finds out, he will divorce me. Hmm. I, there was no doubt in my mind. And so I was down to skin and bones. I weighed 92 pounds and there was nothing left inside of me. I was a shell. No hope for tomorrow. I felt like a bad person, a bad mom, bad wife. So all I could say to him that day, that morning was say, uh, hon, you heard about the pastor and uh, the women. And he looked at me and said, yes. All I said to him was, well, I'm one of those women. I'm a sorry person and I'm sorry. And that's all I could say. There was no touch. There was no hug. I didn't wait for him to respond. I quickly turned and walked away because I couldn't bear the look in his eyes. And I'm going to stop you there so that we can end this program. But I would okay. love to have you back, and I'd love to pick that story up, uh, if, if that's okay, next week. So... <laughs> For those who are listening, you are hearing an intimate story. Don't hear it wrong. Don't hear it trying to figure out who's to blame or why it's right. happening. Understand right. that God is the healer of the worst, and they're, yeah. they're the worst is in us, and it's in other people. Thank you yeah. for being our guest today. I so appreciate it, Anne. And those of you who are listening, I just pray that you will go to chooseliferadio.com and hear this podcast and support us. You know, support us on the radio. We want to we wanna be back in your phone and your car again. So we appreciate all that you do. This is Jill Taylor signing off. But next week, be back. You're going to need to hear the rest of Ann Byler's story. Thank you for joining us right here on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.